Welcome to the Bill Cartwright Show with our special guest, CEO and founder of Empower Me Academy, EMA, and USF alum, Jerome Gums. Jerome, welcome to the show. Bill, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. You know, I've checked out a few of them and, you know, I'm super excited to be here and especially when I'm in the presence of greatness from USF. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I don't know about the greatness, but uh, we're alums, so just that right there is great. <laughs> I, I I like that deflection. I, I know I know we're basketball players, but I didn't know we were going to play tennis, but I'll, I'll take, I'll follow your lead. I won't say it again on camera, but I'll say that's what I would like. Yeah. I'd like everybody to get you to know you really quickly. Yep. Let me just talk about where you're from, and let's talk about uh, what I think is really important, uh, mom and dad. Yep. Well, great questions. You know, I, and intuitively, whenever someone asks me who I am, that's the first thing I go back to, so I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, I'm from the Caribbean. I'm from St. Thomas. The U.S. Virgin Islands is made up of three islands. St. Thomas, St. John, St. Croix, and St. Thomas is the capital. Most people are familiar with St. Croix because that's where Tim Duncan is from and Roger Bell. Um, so oftentimes when people give me that look like, where is that? I'll just say Tim Duncan is from St. Croix. And I'd be like, oh, I know where that is. So that's where I'm from. Grew up, you know, very humble beginnings. Um, grew up with both parents. Um, I have six sisters. And I often tell people the way I am, the way I move through the through the world is because I was raised by women. Uh, my mom has been my rock. Um, she's my idol. She's my superhero. Um, she's been going through some tough times lately. But however, her inspiration throughout my life is, has been kind of like my North Star. And yeah, that's that was my childhood. So talk about yourself growing up. Uh, I want to know what kind of kid were you in high school? And um, were you always a sports kid or academic kid? What kind of kid were you? Well, I was not an academic kid. However, I, I do think I was better than I would have been if I didn't have sisters who, as you, as I like to think, women tend to be a little bit more academic and more organized than we men. But it did kind of influence me. So I did a lot better than I would have. Um, but I was all basketball, you know. And although I did play football and baseball, baseball kind of faded out because, you know, it wasn't as entertaining for me growing up. I was actually better in football um, in middle school and, and probably around ninth grade. But as I started growing, it just felt more appropriate to be a basketball player. And all I did was really infused the work ethic I got from both parents. You know, both my parents are from um, other islands, you know, wasn't highly educated. But one thing they did have was high values and character and a, an unmovable work ethic. And I saw that throughout my childhood um, because it was modeled every day. And I just took that and just put it into basketball. And, you know, as I was growing up, I focused on trying to be the best person but making sure that no one ever outworked me. And, and and that's who I was as a person. You know, I wasn't that social. You know, I was very social amongst my team. But I was really driven because, you know, St. Thomas, the U.S. Virgin Isles as a whole, little do people know, is, is a very violent place. Great to visit. But, you know, in 2018, it was considered the murder capital of the Caribbean. 
Um, it was considered top four in the world. So when you grow up in that type of environment, you almost have to be tunnel vision on, on your path of finding a way to get off the island. And my only way off the island was to really pursue basketball in a very deliberate way. And nothing was going to discourage me from doing it. Did you have somebody uh, who mentored you uh, yep. or your high school coach? Uh, who's, who's that person? Well, I had someone named Cyril Benjamin. You know, he's one of the U.S. Virgin Islands legends. Um, and he grabbed me when I was very young and saw the work ethic, you know, saw the grit and also saw the lack of fundamentals. And he pulled me to the side and just said, hey, I believe you can be really good. Just start coming around. I started coming around. I started learning the fundamentals, started learning how to put in the work versus just wanting to play. And that became a habit. And as you know, Bill, being around the game your entire life, the ones that really excel are the ones that fall in love with the work and, and feel appreciative of the games. And I was very fortunate to be around someone that felt that, you know, working on your game was way more important than playing. Playing was the fun part. His name was Cyril Benjamin. Yep. So talk about, so then now you're ready to leave high school and you're off to college. Uh, well, of course, we know where you ended up, but how did yeah. that happen and why USF? Oh, man, that is, so many people have told me, you know, I should write a book. And if I ever do this part of the book, should be a whole separate book. Because I didn't go straight from St. Thomas to USF. You know, back then I tell people like, there were, we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have Instagram, you couldn't go viral. So back then you had to leave the islands to be seen. And little do people know, Tim Duncan was actually a swimmer. And it was a hurricane that destroyed where he grew up swimming, where he moved to the States. And that's when he switched to basketball. So similar to, to Tim Duncan and everyone else, I had to leave the islands. And I left the islands when I was a junior in high school. So I ended up going to Florida to a school called Berkshire Braves. And it was a small private school where a bunch of us got recruited to play on this team that was like 2 and 30 the year before we got there. <laughs> then we were like 30 and 1. And it was 17 of us built. And all of us played in college. And then most of us played in, in Division One. And it was one of the best teams to this day I ever played on. I mean, in our practices, we had Billy Donovan, um, Calvin Sampson. We had Hubby Smith. I mean, these were the people in our practices. And that was my first experience off the islands. And because I was from the United States Virgin Islands and everyone else was from like Panama, you know, Puerto Rico, Costa Rica and other places, Although I was doing really well in practice, the coach didn't really play me. And his excuse was, I was from the United States, and if it doesn't work out, I'll be fine. So what happened, whatever, what ended up happening after I felt demoralized and felt like this dream wasn't for me, I went back home, totally deflated, almost wanted to give up. And my mentor, Cyril Benjamin, said, no, that's not happening. You've already kind of champion or conquered the Virgin Isles where you became one of the best players, if not the best player during your um, high school career. There's nothing more for you to do here. You got to go. So another opportunity came where I ended up going to Kentucky. <laughs> C complete different story. I stayed with a host family, the birds, who to this day is like my second family. And I remember coming off, getting out of the car with my coach, 
Don Tisdes, who's another um, coach that I love. I remember getting out of the car. I got my headphones on, baggy pants, you know, hoodie on. And then the family who was hosting me comes out, polos, you know, country shorts. And we're both looking at each other. What are we getting ourselves into, right? So we went, we went from that feeling to when I left after having one of the most unbelievable years of my life, you know, I, I became, you know, one of the top players in Kentucky. You know, I was top five, top 10 in scoring, top five, top 10 in, in rebounds. And at the end of my experience there, when I was leaving, we were all crying, right? And that experience changed my life. That's where I met my son's mom. Um, and, and that's where I truly realized the difference in coaching. Because here I am, the same person, Bill, won a championship in high school in St. Thomas. We beat a school that was winning championships six years in a row. Became the MVP, became the best player, went to Florida, didn't play, and felt like I couldn't play because of a coach. And then I went to Kentucky, and because of a coach, I felt like I was the best player in the country. And because of that coach, Bill, he helped me get on the um, Kentucky All-Star team. I think I was the first player to ever make it that wasn't born in Kentucky. And I remember going to the tryouts. And that that doubt that I accumulated in Florida crept in the first day I was there. And I remember my coach pulling me to the side in front of everyone and said, man, I did, you know, I crawled and clawed for you to make this team and I told everyone you was one of the best players in the state and here you are playing like you don't want it and you're scared but he told me that in front of everyone because he knew I would respond he knew that I loved and I cared about him so much I wasn't even doing it for me anymore I was doing it for his reputation right because he put his reputation on the line so after he did that I ended up first player of the next portion of the workout or tryouts the ball got tipped to me got it dunked on someone and the rest was history and then I remember when they were picking the team I had done so well they picked all the players and they had one more spot left I remember having a towel over my head saying like you know even if I don't make it I knew I made my coach proud I knew I gave it my best and as I was thinking, the rest of the locker room started chanting, Gums better be on this team. Gums better be on this team. And then when they when they called my name, the whole locker room just started yelling, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. And during that year also, Bill, at the end of the year, the West used to play against the East. And I forget, but the West team, I think, or the East team used to be the team that would get all the Lexington players and Louisville players who would generally go to those schools. And then the team I was on normally get blasted by this team. So we're playing in the East versus West All-Star game, and we're already told we're going to get blown out. And all the schools were there. Cincinnati was there, and, and Cincinnati was there. That was a year after Kenyon Martin got drafted number one, and they were the number one team in the country. So long story short, we ended up beating them. Um, I had – like 25 and 15, I got MVP. And all of a sudden, Cincinnati started recruiting, right? And while Cincinnati was recruiting, this was way after USF was recruiting me because USF found out about me before I even got to Kentucky because my mentor, Cyril Benjamin, went to school with Bill Hogan, who was a former AD. And my coach called him from the island saying, Bill, I got a kid leaving Florida that no one knows 
and you need to get, I didn't know this until after I graduated though. I didn't even know how I got to USF until after. That's how secretive those two were. So um, Coach Wade was the one that recruited me. So he came to visit. I haven't even touched a boy yet. And they started, you know, yeah, really cultivating that relationship. And if you know anyone from the islands, we're all about community and relationship. So he came to about four games. And I think each game I had 40, <laughs> right? And they were recruiting me. So when Cincinnati started recruiting me, of course, number one team in the country, they're sponsored by Jordan. My best friend is at Oklahoma. They just went to four, um, two final fours. And he's calling me every day, man, you got to sign big time. You got to go big time. And he almost got me because he knew how much I love Jordan apparel. He's like, man, they're sponsored by Jordan. How can you turn that down? And then when it came time to make the decision, I remember being in Huggins' office and Coach Matthews called me, Bill. And he called me and he said, I have someone that wants to talk to you. So he gives the phone to my mom. This guy flew to St. Thomas, knowing that I was probably going to sign with Cincinnati, got the most important person in my life on the phone. And my mom said a few words. She said, I like this guy. He graduates everyone. And I want my only son to graduate. And at that time, Cincinnati had the worst graduation rate in the country. I don't even know how you do that. So, and the reason I told you that story is because the decision to go to USF was hinged on the values of my upbringing. Being my mom's only son, being a person of color, graduation was very important. Graduating was very important to me. And Coach Matthews was graduating everyone. You know, so that's, I know you didn't ask for that long story, but not too many people know that. But that's how I got to USF. And, and then when I got to USF, I had all the, these expectations. You know, I had, I was supposed to be like freshman of the year, all that stuff. And that's when I found that I had a son. And Bill, as you know, you being a dad and a, a grandfather, my whole life changed. It went from me wanting to go be the best player in the NBA to like, I got to start modeling my life for my son. So I'll stop there because <laughs> um, that was a lot. But yeah, that's, that's, that's how I got from St. Thomas to USA. Yeah, but that's a couple of different directions. Right now, let's stay with the basketball talk about your first year at usf and was it easy hard talk about that so this day because of my freshman year you know i tell people that the biggest jump in sports i think is high school to division one basketball or division one sports because generally unless you're playing on the elite high school aau teams you're going to play against maybe one or two Division I players. When you go to college, Division I, not only are you going to play against players who are all Division I, but now you're playing against juniors, sophomores, seniors, fifth-year seniors. And to answer your question, it was one of the most challenging, um, eye-opening experiences for me. Because, you know, out of, out of high school, we're all the best. We're all thinking we're the man. But that first conditioning practice when Coach Matthews said, yeah, I kissed your butt to get you here. I'm going to kick your butt. 
I will never forget that. It was one of the hardest years of my life. And I struggled. And that struggle is what allowed me to grow. Yeah. Talk about, because I know you guys had some big games. And I know, the, and as a matter of fact, um, I was at the game uh, when you guys beat Gonzaga. I was there. Storm the court. Uh, talk okay. about that. That had to be a, um, a pretty huge <laughs> game. Talk about the mindset for that game. You know, and, and something I teach at the academy too that we're going to get to, the mindset for that game started maybe a week before, right? And I often tell people and even my son that the preparation for a game doesn't start. If you're preparing for a game mentally the day of, you've already lost. So I had this thing where, and everyone that knows me know, like when I'm playing or I'm playing in a big game, don't call me, don't talk to me, because I am laser focused. Like everyone I saw had on Gonzaga clothes during the week. <laughs> my teacher was Mark Few. Like all I could see was Gonzaga. So the mindset was I had to be laser focused in every practice leading up to Gonzaga in order to perform. So what you're doing, like any musician or performer, you're, 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 you're performing and rehearsing the whole week. So when you get to the game, you're, you're not even thinking. So the focus was we're leaving that game beating them and nothing was going to um, detour us from that as a team. But my mindset was my team needed me to play at a high level and I came out super confident because the preparation was done days before. Um, and there's a book that I, I credit for my mindset called Mind Gym that I give to a lot of my students, you know, because I think oftentimes I actually bought it for um, – I'm a, I'm a gifted to some players, but oftentimes we as athletes, we're told to, you know, lift weights, condition, but not too many times we're being taught how to strengthen the brain and the mind. Because as you know, at the next level, Bill, everyone is similar in athleticism and ability, but the things that really separate the great ones are the ones that really focus on the mindfulness and the mental strength. So now you're, well, let's talk about your academy, EMA. That is, I think it's super special. And I think that uh, it reflects you, yourself. So talk about how in the world did that happen? And talk about, just talk about the day that you thought, hey, I can do this academy. Because that is truly special. I wish it was. I wish it was a, a day I woke up and I had an epiphany, <laughs> but it, it was an accumulation of thoughts. You know, as I mentioned, my coach in the, in the Caribbean. I think he's impacted at least fifty um, people from the Virgin Islands and helped them gain education outside of the United States Virgin Islands. And then my coach in Kentucky, who I consider to be the most positive, empowering coach. And all these experiences in the back of my mind, these role models were my idols. And I felt that I wanted to be a coach because as you know, there are more bad coaches than there are good ones. So I was already planning to coach at some capacity. I mean, my ultimate goal is to coach in college. But like I told you, when I got to USF and I had a son, 
and I saw where youth sports was going, and I knew my son wanted to get involved, I felt that I needed to become all the great coaches that I had experienced bundle up in one for my son, but also for all the children um, in San Francisco. So what I did was paid attention to every country I played in, saw how they did it in Europe, right? Saw how they did it in South America, took the best qualities of their youth development program, which are better than the United States, hands down, because they focus on the human development. Took what Cyril Benjamin taught me in the Virgin Islands and really just built an alternative option for people that not only want their children to receive high quality coaching and mentorship, right? But also to give them a platform where they can become confident and really prepare for life because we all have to hang up our sneakers and, and, and compete in what I like to call the, the real game, which is life, you know, and you got to learn how to work with people. You got to learn how to move throughout the world and be somewhat competitive because you got to, you, know, you got to earn respects and, and, and earn money to support you and your family. So how do we prepare the youth for that? We all become adults. So the Academy is just a reflection of how I think youth sports should engage with children. Um, and it's, it's, it started off just as a hobby because I did it every time I came back from Europe. And then it just kind of grew up, grew into this thing where we've touched 3,000 children. Um, we have active 420 some children a year. The thing that I'm most proud, proud of is we've given over half a million dollars to children that wouldn't normally afford it, which probably would have been me if I grew up in San Francisco. But it's just this high, quality leadership and basketball development program for children from all walks of San Francisco and the Bay Area. We serve 95% of the zip codes. And I think we're the only program that does that. So talk about your academy. Is there another academy like yours? And also, uh, where's your academy going? Uh, what's your goals for? Great question. I mean, I would like to think there are many other academies or programs out there trying to do right by the by the children. You know, I I I, I know there are other people out there fighting to give our children the best option for them to self-actualize. Because the main purpose of all of our existence is to be the best version of ourselves. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I think there are other academies, but I don't think all of them are quite like EMA because I've been building EMA to be more of a corporation because the vision is the concrete it in San Francisco, which is one of the toughest places to build something like this, and then create satellites in other, um, in other cities. And it's interesting, one of our coaches is from Chicago, and one of our visions is to create a satellite in Chicago one day. So right now you're in San Francisco. Uh, so do we- We're in San Francisco. Okay, so are we going to California? Are we going uh, nationwide? What's your what's your vision for where, where your future is gonna be? Great question. You know, the vision is to put this in Nationwide, you know, like I said, we've been running for 11 years. We have like 130-something or 20-something five-star reviews of families telling their stories 
and not particularly talking about us, but telling their stories of how their child got impacted. And we feel that that experience could really be captured in every major city because there are a lot of parents that who we have heard, like they didn't know something like this exists. You know, we have an annual event called Empower Fest, um, August, all right, right before Labor Day um, weekend, the weekend before. And it's an infusion of March Madness and the NBA All-Star Weekend. And what I mean by that is there's a slam dunk contest, three-point contest, and skills challenge, and a three-on-three tournament only for children. And it, had re it has really turned into one of the biggest events in the Bay Area. And I remember when we were giving out our awards for values, you know, we give it out for selflessness, being daring, being accountable, being an energy giver, being resilient. I don't remember a parent coming up to me like, I didn't know children can get awards for values. And I told her like, that's how it should be, right? Because those are the things that's going to really, you know, take them further in life. You know, so the goal is to spread this type of community building entity that really uses sports as a magnet to attract children because everyone wants to be the next Steph Curry in San Francisco. And our, my elevator pitch is we're developing Steph Currys who when they retire, they become Nelson Mandela or even a Barack Obama. We want to develop leaders. Bill. We want people that want, not only want to be great athletes, but want to be people that stand up for what's right and do the right things when no one is looking Talk about USF and how they've been involved with um, with your academy. Well, I, I don't think, maybe you, but there's not too many people love USF as much as I do. You know, I've been in San Francisco since 01. And I, I remember when I used to always be on campus and some of the younger student athletes, like, man, who's this alumni always around? And so... The vision has always been to bridge the gaps between the USF community and EMA community, which is primarily San Francisco. And USF has been a pillar for EMA because EMA started in USF's facility um, about 11 years ago, right? And so first off, if there is no USF, there's no EMA. And as it has been growing, and really infiltrating the community, you know, USF has really, you know, hold true to the change the world from here and really found ways to elevate and highlight what we're doing in the community. Um, the Hilltop Club, which is another, it's not USF, but, you know, it helps out the student athletes at USF. They've partnered with us, but, you know, USF has been instrumental because they've allowed us to use their platform to, to create and gain more visibility. They did that legacy game tribute in the Chase Center, which I haven't really been able to get over to this point. It's, it was such a surreal experience. My sisters were able to fly in and experience it. I had friends travel from all over the country and come check it out. And I always said, because my mom taught me this, Bill, she always said, make sure who you are off the court outshines who you are on the court. And the fact that I got recognized at the legacy game for what I'm trying to do in the community and how I'm trying to change the world, how I'm trying to change the narrative of youth sports where it's not about winning and losing, it's about character development and human development. 
that is one of the most prideful experiences of my life to be highlighted for community work because I feel that if we have more athletes doing that with their platform, the world becomes a better place. Isaac, I'm going to ask you, how has Father Paul influenced you in your journey? First of all, Father Paul is one of the most intelligent humans I've ever <laughs> been around. And I try not to keep up with how many master degrees he has. <laughs> but, you know, Bill, and, and hopefully you can resonate with this, but people like us don't get opportunities sometimes to be in the same room with people like that. I take it very seriously when Father Paul carves out time for me to walk in a park. You know, I almost treat it like Gonzaga's like, I'm walking with Father Paul on Saturday. So everything has to be cleared. Nothing is going to disrupt that. And he's just really created a sounding board for me. You know, there were times, as you could assume, because you, you run a business yourself, you know, EMA has been very, very challenging to build. You know, especially when you're going against the grain. Everybody else is over there doing the same thing because it's easy. I'm over here trying to go against the grain, building something more fruitful for the children. So it's been very hard, but he's always, always told me, stay true to the values, stay true to why you're doing it, and be committed to the children. And when I've been able to keep those three things in front of me and you know let me just highlight the children part my son is a part of that children group and when you have those three pillars and you have someone like father paul being a sounding board and giving you advice on things you wouldn't even think of you know giving you feedback and just sharing his wisdom but also sharing his time because as you know you know father paul his time is scarce so whenever he calls calls out an hour or two for me it's, it's pretty um, surreal that someone like him would um, carve out time, but he's such a, a mentor, such a person that wants to leave the world a better place. And he sees me as a vessel and he really believes in that academy. So he's done so much to me. I can't put it in words. And he's someone that I would um, forever be grateful to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jerome, thank you so much for being on the show. Naturally, I'm available to you, for you, anytime. Uh, let me know. And, uh, you know. Can I, I say one thing? Of course. You've, you've been instrumental yourself. I've never thanked you publicly. But, you know, what you said in our documentary hold a lot of weight. When you said EMA was rare and it was a dying breed. And I know you're not gonna, I know you're gonna probably deflect this, but you know, I haven't met you and you gravitating to what I'm doing and really just being a, another sounding board for me has been empowering for me because I know you know the game. I know you've seen a lot. And for you to consider what we're doing to be rare has, has been a, um, a very fortunate thing for me. So I just wanted to thank you for, um, for believing in what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, you wasn't, you wasn't gonna get off this. <laughs> video without me doing that. So thank you. You can go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deflect that. You, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but, but you do the right thing as far as being able to teach kids, teach them the right way. Uh, kids want that. They want good basic fundamental skills. They want to have a great understanding of, of basketball. 
You know, uh, it's not an individual game. It's a team game. And uh, uh, I have a strong appreciation for the kids being taught um, how to play the right way. And that's at a team. Yep. You do a great job of that. So uh, anytime, pal, I'm, I'm, I'm available for you. You're the best, Bill. And, and this was such an a extraordinary opportunity. And when you asked me to do it, I believe I said yes before you finished asking me. So thank you again at any time.